I'm David Smith, and you're listening to the Faith in Teaching podcast from the Kaiser Institute for Christian Teaching and Learning at Calvin University. In this series, we'll be talking with researchers and educators who are working to understand how Christian faith affects teaching, learning, and the way we do education. Today, I'm joined by an old friend from Norway, Oslo Ustebø, who is director of the Egil Danielsson Foundation, uh, which oversees a group of Christian schools in, in Bergen, Norway. Thank you for joining us, Osla. Thank you for having me. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, the, the context in which you're doing Christian education, about you, your schools and, and the work that you do. Uh, our schools go back to 1932. It was uh, established as, as um, a private school by Christians, without necessarily a very clear thought that there was a need for a specific Christian education at that time. Um, and and school movement that that has grown, especially uh, last few years, last uh, 10, 12 years, into a movement of eight schools, uh, having uh, uh, programs from first grade till adult high school, uh, and uh, we have about 1,800 students. We're situated in the area of Western Norway. Um, and we have, uh, we're in a context in Norway where there are not a lot of Christian schools compared to many other European countries. Uh, but there is a lot of discussion about us. Should we be here or not? Norway has a very strong tradition of the public school. Uh, so we're, uh, we're in that context, uh, and, uh, our schools will have, uh, state funding, uh, f- uh, it's, uh, it's in theory, it's 85% what it costs to go to a public school. Uh, we get in funding, but they subtract a lot of expenses like buildings and stuff before that. So, so we have to run a bit cheaper than, than, than Christian school, than public schools, but we do have, have, uh, have public funding. And, uh, and with that comes obligations to answer to public scrutiny and what we're doing. Um, so. so so what are some of the main challenges facing Christian schools, Christian teachers right now in, in Western Norway? Uh, I think there are there are short-term challenges and long-term challenges. Short-term right now, it, it's there is a narrative about what a Christian school is that challenges all the Christian schools, because it's not uh, it's it's not a story that comes from our students. It's a story that comes from uh, an ideology, more leftist ideology that's not very fond of Christian schools, and and tells a story of schools that segregate students in communities that that create echo chambers. And that's very far from the reality we experience in our schools. So, so is that that short term? Right now, we're in that that struggle for the narrative. What is a Christian school uh, in in the public eye? And then uh, the long term is that most of we don't we don't have a strong big system of of Christian colleges and universities that are are very. Um, distinct in being Christians. So all of our teachers are trained in secular teacher education and have a motivation to come and and do a Christian education. And then we need to figure out what does that look like? And we need to do that again and again and again and again. And we need to do that uh, 
in a way where we don't do public education and then put add on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. We need to do things differently as Christian schools and not more. And that being in a context where we have to do that in the Christian schools, uh, where there isn't really a lot of help for us in the academic uh, realm in Norway, um, that uh, that is a challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's a challenge we work with in the long run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's perhaps worth mentioning at this point, we may come back to this later, but uh, you, your students are not necessarily Christian, right? No. We'll have, in our schools, we don't, we don't chart how many Christians we have. That's not a survey question they get. Are you a Christian or not? Um, uh, but the rumor is that there are schools with maybe 50% Christian mm-hmm. kids from Christian families, and there are schools with 20, 30% kids from Christian families. And there might be schools that on on some years have slightly more, but uh, but on average you'll have more Christians in our schools that are church active than you would in public school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is quite a lot of diversity in our situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the reasons I wanted to to have this conversation is you you've been doing some research um, over the last uh, the last number of years, which you've just brought to a, to a conclusion. Um, tell us what you've been trying to find out and how you went about it. Well, the, the origin of this was that I, I became very young. I was 25 when the principal of the school I was working at got sick. And I was thrown into heading a school um, too early uh because there, it wasn't a very big school and that school had a reputation of caring for their students uh it was a school that everybody said this school is great at caring and and then i was ahead of that school for a few years and i i moved to another school and became head of that school and that school had the same reputation um this is the school that cares for their students and then i started asking why do we believe that? Because there are students that come and tell us that we care. There are a lot of great stories, but it's not very many percent of our students come back to tell us those stories. Those stories grow in our narrative of our schools. Uh, and there are a lot of students that don't tell us much about that. We just, this, the strength of the individual stories create this narrative. So uh, I said, we need to figure out how caring are we really? And if we are caring, is that just luck? Or why is that so? And how can we make sure that 10 or 15 or 20 years from now, we're still a school that has strong uh, practice of caring for our students? Uh, so that's the background where, where uh, about 10 years ago, I started investigating this as a school leader, uh, asking questions to students, doing surveys, um, I'm trying to figure out why do you believe we care? And um, the first answer I got was not what has been published now in Norway, but but it was from from teachers saying that they'd been to school, working in schools that did not have that reputation, and they're working in, in the schools where I've been heading. And, and they said the main observation they did was the conversation on the teacher lounge, the way teachers spoke about their students. 
So we did some work on that. Um, then we said we need to get student voice more visible here. What is what's important to our students? And the idea is that that um, in our schools, Norway, we don't have we don't have a recipe tradition tradition in pedagogy. We don't we don't ten steps to becoming a better teacher. That's not a Norwegian way of doing this. But but we need to work with um, with professional expectations. Andy Hargraves has done some work on that that I've been leaning on 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 working together to set professional expectations in our organizations that are not detailed but are specific enough to shape practice. Um, and l- let's start talking to our students. What are some of those practices that they observe in our teachers that they respond to as caring practices or non-caring practices? So so that's that's uh, how we started this. And, and the background and motivation for this is we call ourselves Christians as organizations. And I think there is this core core obligation anytime we put the label christian to anything we need to ask ourselves what does it mean to love god and love people in that setting so if we call ourselves christian school schools what does it mean to love god and love people and and the most obvious people we need to have an answer to is our students mm-hmm. uh, or there are many mm-hmm. other we we encounter with in, in the process so um it turned out we did a lot of, of pilots and and then we did a more systematic survey and said let's let's try to lift this a little bit and get it published so um uh, it's um i i asked um, about 104 students and 95 of them replied three open questions um they they were about 15 olds and they were doing doing um different kinds of high school education. So they're all not all in the academic track, somewhere in a vocational track. Uh, and I asked them three questions. What does it what does it take for a teacher? What does a teacher need to do for you to feel seen by the teacher? That's a, a word we use in Norway. Feel visible might be a, mm-hmm. a concept. And what does it take for you to feel the teacher cares? And what does it take for you to feel that the teacher does not care? One thing I really like about these questions is, is sometimes um, when I'm talking to students about this, one of the things we're trying to make clear is that like caring for students is not something that just lives in your heart, right? It, it has to it has to become a set of visible educational practices. And so, um, great idea to ask students what counts as caring. So, so, so what have the students been telling you? Um, well, I've tried to analyze this, um, and of course, you get you get material that's quite diverse when 95 students answer these questions. Um, but I think there is a core that is um, perceived that's more like a value core. It's, it might not be a practice core. The practices flow out, float out of that. And there is a core of of wanting the good for the other. There, the, there is a sense people notices when they, their well-being is important. To the teacher, there is a core of uh, recognition that you're you're worth something. Your contribution to this community, your contribution to our conversation, is valuable. What you what you're expressing in in some way uh, 
means something. It's important. There is a response to that. And then there is um, a respect that that we're I'm you're not a, an object to me. You're some there is a respect, there is interaction. So there is a core to that that's kind of going through everything that I or most of the things that I see. Uh, and then when you start moving into more concrete practices, um, the the three main topics, three main practices uh, are asking students questions, listening to what they're expressing as response to your questions, but also in in other ways of expressing themselves, not just verbally, and then responding. So there is this this wheel of asking, listening, responding. Um, that that I think is is a, a basic practice run uh, that runs through a lot of fields, a lot of encounters uh, in education. That's um, where you find a lot of the a lot of the descriptions by the students fit into there. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and when when you look at theory. Both in in a Christian tradition and and um, uh, in a more secular tradition like Mel Nodding has done some work, a lot of work on this uh, in the U.S. Uh, there is a lot of attention to listening, and there is some attention to responding, but there is very little attention to the questions you're asking. So that's one of the main findings when I compare what the students tell me from what pedagogical theory that I've been trying to figure out says students emphasize asking questions mm-hmm. more than theory uh, does as I've seen it and and I assume that's because they don't feel we ask enough questions because if we're already doing that what well, they might not need, need to say that as much so did they give any examples of what kind of questions they had in mind Yes, uh, there are different kinds of questions, and and uh, I think that um, s- the general question of how are you doing, not the polite greeting in the U.S., mm-hmm. but, the, but what's going on, how are you doing, and mm-hmm. the open question is one that's that's brought up by many students. How are things going? Uh, and then you have um, two kind of specific questions that pop out many places one surprisingly much pops out about uh, how are you doing in your learning process and and then there are the expected ones as how are you doing with what's difficult at home and those are the kinds of questions that when you ask the teachers a lot of teachers will say will name those as examples you know being open to discussing what's dif- difficult around in setting around the school but the majority of the students emphasize on the learning process so a caring teacher asks them do you understand what we're going through do you under- mm-hmm. do you understand what i'm saying am i moving too quickly how are how is how are things going academically or, or learning wise on this topic? So that's that's one of the main findings also that the teacher assumption is often care, especially when the students get older. Care is something that deals with stuff outside of learning, while these students, to a large degree, emphasize what's happening in the learning process in the learning encounters. 
So, um, so uh, um, I, I can try and translate a couple of these to uh, to English. Um, they notice if if I have a bad day, and ask me, "What's wrong? Is there anything I can do to help you?" Um, they can ask you, um, just basically, do you have a nice day? Um, they ask me if they need to correct me, because I also ask this, this question, what does it take for you to perceive the teacher is not caring? And maybe I was expecting rules and stuff to come up and they can be, but it's not, it's not that the teachers have rules and correct people that come up, but it's the way they do it. So correcting me without asking me my perspective mm-hmm. is that comes up on the negative side here. Um, just teachers asking me, did you understand what I tried to explain individually? And then, then stopping if the answer mm-hmm. is. Um, so, uh, and then there are a lot of, of questions, a lot of um, uh, exp- um, descriptions of listening, not interrupting, um, showing that you're interested in listening, the body language, um, believing me when I'm telling you something. Um, and um, um, looking at my body language, mm-hmm. not just listening to my words, but looking at my body language and noticing my body language. Uh, I have one favorite quote, trying to understand what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that's one of my personal favorites in the material. And, and what you see is that when it comes to not listening or not uh, not uh, responding, then on those topics, you get a lot more negative answers. Um, like ignoring me when I'm lifting my hand to to say something in class. Uh, doesn't care that students don't understand, just goes on teaching. <laughs> uh, interrupt students. Uh, don't listen, argue with us instead. Start. Tell us to start doing uh, doing something, and then turning around, looking at their computer, instead of paying attention to what we're doing and and seeing we're raising our hands and and asking for help. That that's a huge one because I'm seeing that more over the last few years of teachers giving students something to do and then turning around to check email, uh, which is which is partly something school culture is helping to create these days. I think with the constant messaging. Yeah. And we have, we have some responses on that. Um, so it's uh, and and then a lot of the response bit description, the, the ones the dealing with uh, with uh, teacher responding to what they're hearing when they're asked a question and they're listening, is explaining, helping with what we're studying, not helping me primarily figure out a private problem, but helping. Mm-hmm understand the material that I didn't understand the first time um, and and then there are there are some areas that that seem to be of special attention to students there are some of the settings in education that are that are described um, assessment comes up more frequently than well not necessarily than I expected this time but on the pilot mm-hmm. that came up more frequently so now it's it's I expected that this time around. Uh, but the assessment situation, that it is actually formative, that it is actually pointing ahead. is not a judgment primarily of what you're doing. It's it's a help to improve. 
uh, and it's individual. So myself as a teacher, when I started teaching back in the 90s, I could go through, I could give the students a test and then I could go through uh, the test when they got it back, if they'd got some individual feedback, but then I could do it in front of class. Let's go through what did you need to do on this and this and this. That's not the kind of assessment feedback they want. Mm-hmm. They want to be seen individually in assessment. Uh, to be re- help becoming recognized in the group, in a group setting, help me become visible to the others. <laughs> help me uh, be recognized as somebody that's, that has something to say uh, in the community. Um, that's one of the areas uh, that come up. There is this... this that's the- that, that one's huge because that has implications for a whole set of teacher behaviors about not, not just taking the first voice that offers itself or the student you know can answer the question, but but actively creating a diversity of voices in the classroom. Yes, and and uh, and the teacher talking less, mm-hmm. uh, explaining less uh, from the front, mm-hmm. creating processes in the learning environment that that is not about lectures. So, so there are some of the, some of the responses on, on teaching style, uh, that's, um, the teacher just coming into class. This is like a bad example from students. They don't, these teachers don't, uh, don't listen to us. Uh, they stand up front, uh, talk and leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're more concerned by what they have to say than by what we as students say. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're more uh, concerned to give information than to check our understanding. Um, a teacher that comes into class, does theory all the way, never opens for questions, never opens for discussion, um, that, that gets, uh, that's in a hurry, um and and is more concerned with his plan for the lesson than than the student's response to what's happening in class those kinds of quotes come up on on some of those areas where um many students have negative associations with that kind of teacher behavior that's that's indications that the teacher doesn't care so, so what I'm hearing across a lot of these responses, positive and negative, is that a big part of this is whether whether the teacher is positioning the class as a set of objects that they need to manage and control and get information to and so on while they do their teacher performance, or whether it's a genuine dialogue, whether there's uh, there's genuine investment in, in making different voices heard, um, uh, giving evidence to students that, that what they say matters to you. Yeah, and and I uh, one of the headings I've set for for a group of these practices are are uh, interaction and partnership, where where what the students don't want is teacher monologues, mm-hmm. and what they want is cooperation. So, well, what 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 were your biggest surprises for things that didn't come up when when you first started this? You must have had some hypotheses about, you know, what it means for me to be caring towards my students. Yeah. Is is there anything high on your list of things you thought would be there that that weren't so much? Uh, well, um, naming isn't as much presented. Uh, I don't think that is because it isn't important. I think it's it's maybe our teachers are very good at it. 
uh, which then, of course, the other side of that is what they're actually saying might be thing practices we're not as good at. And and meeting eye contact, because when I present this for teachers, I always start asking teachers, what do you think is important? And naming eye contact well, uh, and, and some of those body language practices, smiling, mm-hmm. they're here in the material, but they're not dominant in any way. There are mm-hmm. fewer of, of the students describing those practices than I would have expected at the start. Uh, and a lot more students talking about assessment than about naming. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that was the surprise. Uh, I, I almost wonder whether some of those things are supporting some of the things that students are describing, because if you... If you're interacting with a student and if you're never making eye contact, if your body language is pointing somewhere else, the student's not quite so likely, I would have thought, to think that you're actually listening to them and you care what they say. But what they're focused on is not your body language, it's whether they feel like you heard them, right? You heard them, and, and it might be some of those things that they just take for granted. They're they're baked into the other practices. Uh, but when I have... And I haven't done this as systematically, but I have I've asked a lot of teachers these questions, and those things often pop top of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, teachers, teachers, there is always some teacher voices that says uh, creating boundaries, establishing rules is a way of caring. And I believe uh, they're right, and I did not expect the students to lift that to the top. Uh, but there isn't a contradiction to it. It's more, how do you do it? There were there mm-hmm. are negative expressions of anger. A teacher that's angry, that that corrects us without listening, that's rigid mm-hmm. and flexible. That's not in. That's just uh, preoccupied with the rules and 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 more at, has more attention to the rules than uh, than to why I did what I did. Those kinds of descriptions are there. Um, of course, very few students say establish rules. Yeah, yeah. We're coming up against time here, but uh, let's let's just finish with having having done this research. Um, if 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 you got sort of three minutes to give one piece of advice to a teacher uh, out of this research as to how they can um, improve their students' perception that that the teacher cares about them, what what would you single out? Uh, I would say. Uh, Make sure you ask students a lot of questions, how they're doing uh, in general and in their learning process. Check if they're understanding what you're saying. Check if if they follow you. Listen to what they say and give some kind of response. If you keep doing that, you're, you're onto something. And um, consider student learning process more important than, in, than your teaching process. Mm-hmm. What they're learning is more important than what you're teaching. What they're, what's happening. So, so any practice that's that's less teacher talking and more student thinking uh, seems to contribute to um, the students' perception that the teacher is caring. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, thank you for doing the research and uh, thank you for taking the time out of what I know is a very busy day uh, to uh, to talk to us about it. Um, it's, 
it, it's just the point you made earlier that, that, that this is not so much about the, um, you know, the, the, the friendship building outside of learning. It's about inside learning, how a teacher is finding out how students are doing and does the student... Um, I remember what, we talked about this a number of years ago while you were still doing the research, and I think the way you put it to me then was uh, the teacher knows how well I'm doing uh, as a student, uh, as being being at the heart of this. Um, thank you for spending the time with us, um, and uh, I hope I'll get to see you in Bergen again uh, uh, sometime before the end of time. So thank you for uh, spending this episode with us, and we'll be back again with more conversations about how faith informs teaching and learning. You've been listening to the Faith in Teaching podcast from the Kaiser Institute for Christian Teaching and Learning at Calvin University. Learn more at www.pedagogy.net.